2: Hello there and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. That's where we look ahead to what's likely to be making news and shaping markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means the plight of Britain's manufacturing industry and whether we'll ever hear this sound again. But to balance that, we have this.
3: It was indeed a fantastic year for the UK motor industry. It's improved performance. As- Positive growth in the new car market. turned out to be our best year in terms of UK production volumes since 2007.
2: I'm joined by Robert Lee, the Industrial Editor of the Times, Marcus Leroux, our Industrial Correspondent, and on the line from New York, Alexandra Free the Times' US Business Editor. Welcome to you all. Thanks for coming in. Bob, let's start with you. Just looking through the immediate and obviously very highly charged atmosphere surrounding Britain's steel industry, what's the most likely outcome, do you think, both for the sector and in terms of jobs or or specialist skills that might be preserved?
3: Some decisions are going to have to be made by government ministers. The the steel industry in this uh, country needs to be sort of split out slightly. You've got the core steel-making businesses, which we have in Port Talbot and uh, in Scunthorpe. But around them there's lots of specialised steel mills making various bits of product for the manufacturing industries, whether that's automotive, aerospace or um, consumer goods like washing machines and even down to your uh, scissors and cutlery and things like that. The situation is that Tata Steel of uh, India said it will pull out what happens to all those businesses is really anyone's guess we need to find some buyers but we also need some time for those buyers to be found now those buyers could be found by Tata seal itself or more likely the government has to play a real role in helping those buyers find something that they can actually invest in and that will be a lot of stuff around reducing costs for still wor- uh, for still works and still and still mills i mean and that's costs around energy around carbon taxes and around business rates
2: what about attracting Inward investment. I mean, given the backdrop, we've obviously got the the referendum coming up. I mean, it's, the whole scene is is makes it fraught with difficulty, doesn't getting in anyone to be interested in buying this. Particularly, I'm I'm told the steel foundries, the actual mills themselves. Absolutely.
3: there's lots of specialist products in there which will be very attractive to uh, potentially many investors. But the actual big lump of Port Talbot, at the moment, an uncompetitive and massively loss-making plant. Every other steelmaker in the world is in an industry where there's overcapacity, oversupply. Why would you want to invest in South Wales in a mill that, in a still works that is uh, not making, you, not going to make you any money?
1: I think that's absolutely the the, the key point for Port Talbot. That um, if you look at it from a from a from a broad brush uh, perspective, over the long view, steel production broadly speaking, globally doubled between two thousand and one and and, and twenty fourteen off the back of China's unprecedented building boom. With hindsight, somebody in Whitehall or the government maybe perhaps ought to have asked the question: Can this go on forever? And if it doesn't, what does it mean for uh, for places like Port Talbot that don't have access to to cheap energy or cheap labour and aren't near any of the big big markets for for steel production? Now, what you do once you'd come to the inevitable conclusions about that? One would be, as, as Bob alluded to. Try to make sure that you can you can lighten the the, the load of of sky high energy costs which are far far higher than anywhere in mainland europe and and lighten the burden of, of tax taxation or the other is to have some kind of proactive industrial and regional policy to make sure that that you know these uh, these areas, the Teesides, the, the, the Scunthorpes, the Port Talbots, don't stagger on until crisis and until there's a there's a prospect of 15,000 or a knock on effect of 40,000 people, uh, people out of work.
2: We've looked at you alluded to the, the ripple effect going out. It obviously, hits so many, even stock market listed companies, doesn't it? The suppliers of goods and as Bob said the specialities. Pretty gloomy for them as well, isn't it? Looking forward certainly over the next six months to a year.
1: Absolutely. Aside from anything else, the you know the, the good old fashioned multiplier effect of what happens in 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 these regions when you take away. Mass employment on that scale or, or even the threat of it can have can have d- disastrous uh, shockwaves plus the, the sort of the more direct route down the, the supply chain, all the companies that Bob mentioned earlier.
2: Alex, can I bring you in here? Because America has had its own recent problems with steel and indeed steel dumping, hasn't it?
4: It has. And uh, to be honest, they're not recent problems. It has been ongoing uh, over the period of time that Marcus mentioned uh, when we've seen this huge uh, increase in production. But uh, there's two very big differences between the U.S. and the U.K. One is that the Americans have acted swiftly to impose uh, very punitive tariffs on uh, steel dumping. That is, uh, countries such as China and Russia and India that have importing steel uh, into the U.S. and selling it below market value. So earlier this month, the U.S. said it was going to put a, a 266% duty on cold-rolled steel from China, and it's considering um, stiff tariffs on um, other types of steel. Interestingly, Tata uh, Steel UK is one of the companies that the U.S. Commerce Department has Accused of steel dumping in the U.S., and as a result, there's going to be a 28% tariff imposed on U.K. cold rolled steel. And these tariffs are enforced, and you, the importers have to pay them up front. So they've taken action. And then the other thing that's going in the, on in the U.S. Is, is that the construction industry is picking up, the motor industry is booming, the appliance manufacturers are stepping up production. So the demand um, side of the equation is is in a much healthier state here.
2: All right, Alex, sit tight. Thanks for that. Now, we're going to take a short break, but coming up, we'll look forward to the latest car sales, the all-important March figure, and how Janet Yellen has at least given the market something to think about.
4: The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year, time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk.
2: Well, welcome back now, Bob, let's turn to you, Bob Lee, our industrial editor. Here's how the Society of Motor Manufacturers sees the coming year.
3: We've invested €210 million Euros with increased investment. We did investments in both of those plants to secure production. Over £2.5 billion has been earmarked to increase UK production.
2: Bob, is the outlook really that bright, and if it, if it is so
3: good, why can't we use British steel for all these cars? Well, there is a lot of British steel that actually goes into cars built in the UK. Up the uh, coast from uh, Port Talbot um, is a uh, steel mill called Clavern, which is, does a, a whole load of uh, stuff for the automotive industry. We have to spit out two things here that's going on in, in the UK motor trade. There's the uh, the record sales, which we'll get the uh, the, uh, the stats from next week in terms of those, that, that, that all important March. Uh, registration plate, which normally accounts for about one-fifth of uh, sales for the year. In the year to date, sales are up 5%. uh, That comes on a uh, a year in 2015 when we already had a record year. This is actually more about uh, the UK economy and uh, the the feeling of the consumer uh, being continued to be buoyant and Cheap finance, but it's been said for quite some time. But there's undoubtedly going to be feeding into those figures some fears about the uh, the weak, weaker consumer economy, fears and about the uncertainty around Brexit, the threat of a rate rise, and of course um, the threat to forty thousand jobs in the steel industry doesn't do anyone uh, doesn't do any good for anyone's um, sentiment. Marcus, I mean, I suppose if you're looking, so,
1: you know, any note of optimism or silver linings or a hint of brighter prospects for the steel industry, perhaps maybe you know the UK car industry's not a bad place to start when you think about the basket case that it was a generation ago and 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 how constructions at are uh, productions at a record a record level at the moment albeit not with any indigenous you know British owned British owned companies but would
2: well, you mentioned the, a generation ago Alex if I can bring you in here from New York it's only what two terms ago in presidential elections that uh, one of the first acts of President Obama was to step in and actually save the American car industry, do you think it worked?
4: Oh, it absolutely worked. I mean, the uh, U.S. car industry was on its knees. as uh, Some of the biggest manufacturers uh, declared bankruptcy. What happened was there was a massive injection of cash and forgiven of debt. And now we've got this potent mix of uh, cheap and easy credit, strong jobs market, and low fuel prices. So last year, um, there were record car sales, and um, most uh, analysts are expecting similar figures in the, the current year. The potential danger is that a lot of cars are being bought on uh, subprime car loans, but you know that's not a threat to the whole economy, it's a threat to people who, who buy cars with these loans and who may not be able to uh, meet their monthly payments.
3: There is this uh, flip side to the uh, globalisation and the global economy, is that there's uh, some UK manufacturers that are very, very reliant on uh, the boom in the, in the Chinese economy. And so what we're seeing with uh, premium luxury cars like Rolls-Royce, like... Like Bentley their sales have dived over the last year and that's happening with uh, Jaguar Land Rover and it's it's Range Rover models as well so even though uh, UK car manufacturing is actually up this year on a whole load of different reasons the, the new Vauxhall Astra the new Mini and what have you and the Nissan Qashqai doing so well in Sunderland the, the the Chinese economy affects the UK more than we ever think it will
1: Marcus and I suppose that the, the other lesson might be that in a in a, a globalised economy you need to play to your strengths and in the uh, look at what's happening with the the, the car industry the, you know the the likes of Renault are trying to offshore production of the cheaper entry-level basic basic models and perhaps you know the, the future of, of the UK industry acc- in, in, in other areas as it has been with, with the automobile industry is in isn't trying to find those little pockets where where there's um there's something we can offer the world apart from apart from hitting the lowest the lowest price which will be increasingly difficult. So presumably some
2: transitional moves and if investors are fleet footed enough no doubt they might catch the next upturn. Finally Alex we have heard from Janet Yellen most recently the chairwoman of the US Federal Reserve that U.S. interest rates are likely to be raised perhaps twice this year rather than four times. Seems to be a message that the markets liked. but looking forward, of course, we have the Federal Reserve minutes of their last meeting. Are they going to tell us anything new or is it all nuanced again?
4: Oh, it's always very nuanced. These minutes are written in a, in a very sophisticated code and you have to look for tiny changes of meaning uh, hidden between the lines. But I I don't think it will will tell us a huge amount. What will be interesting will to see signs, will be to to see how strong the divisions are between the different Fed members. Janet Yellen gave a very dovish um, speech recently at the Economic Club of New York when she said there's only going to be two interest rate rises this year. But those comments followed some very hawkish speeches from other um, Fed members. So there's clearly dissent there. And that's really going to be interesting to see how she manages to keep a lid on that and whether she prevails.
2: But one thing that does seem to have changed slightly is the sentiment in that the indices, of course, they're falling above and below the line, but they have for the first time recently showed that they can get into positive territory for the year. That must have been a bit of a boost for Wall Street, or are they all curmudgeon's?
4: No, it's a, a huge boost for Wall Street. You just look at the look at the markets are happy this week um, because Janet Yellen is dovish. It's it's a very simple um, binary equation there. It, it it's, it's not very complicated. Um, she she said what markets want to hear, and this is uh, an illustration of the Fed enforcing its unwritten goal, which is of maintaining stability in markets. It's not part of its official remit, but it seems to be one that Janet Yellen. Has assumed since taking
2: over. Bob, coming back closer to home, I mean, we were saying the sentiment of it's good on Wall Street, it's usually good for London. But you go round talking to industrial leaders, kicking the tyres in your sector. Do you find a relative mood of optimism out there amongst the business leaders you're speaking to at the moment?
3: If you're talking about British business leaders, absolutely not. I mean, all they want is certainty in life and all we're getting is episode after episode of uncertainty. Uh, No decisions, no big investment decisions are going to be made in this country until after the referendum. And that's just put a uh, a break on everything in industry.
2: So caution's a bit of the watchword, certainly until after the referendum.
3: All right, well, thank you all very much
2: indeed. That's just about it for now. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the business news, comment on your iPad and, of course, our new, new, updated iPad version, Tablet. If you're a Times subscriber, we have uh, our daily morning and lunchtime emails. Do sign up for them. And if you don't have a subscription, we've still got that special £1 offer. Just go to thetimes.co.uk. If you want to hear us weekly, well, don't forget, there's iTunes. You just do it through iTunes. It's very simple. My thanks there to Bob Lee, Robert Lee, our industrial editor, Marcus LaRue, our industrial correspondent, and over in New York, Alex Freed, the US business editor. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week, and thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. The Times Business Podcast
4: is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.